With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. However, you're listening to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 32, numbers on a screen. Thank you for listening. If you're listening, five star, subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Today, we're going to talk about what's in the news. We have a big news updates. What's going on? I'll update everyone, give my commentary on what I think. No bull or bear case today. We're going to skip bull or bear case um, this week. Finance roundtable. We're going to talk numbers on the screen, the psychology behind investing and why most people aren't able to do it. 99% of people out there are not able to be strong investors on their own. And we're going to talk about why. Lastly, we'll talk about bingeables. Um, we'll have what I'm watching, personal life update, company update. Also, we have the second half of the interview with Jody Ann, second half of the interview with Jody Ann. So thank you all for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the show this week. What's in the news? What's in the news? It was a really, really interesting news week this week. Very exciting stuff. Um, First and foremost, we'll talk about Zoom. So Zoom had a quarterly profit increase of about 3,333% abnormal growth. Um, I was listening to the earnings call along with the rest of the nerds, um, listening to what they were saying, but they just had a crazy quarter. Um, so their quarter was incredibly uh, beat expectations on the top and bottom line handily, uh, just because, you know, obviously we have the new normal where we're all working from video conferencing. And Zoom has taken advantage of that with a easy to use platform. And you know what they said on the call was their quarterly sales more than quadrupled compared to the same quarter last year, clocking in at 663 million. Sales for the entire fiscal year of 2019 were 331 million. Uh, profit was 33 times larger, 33 times larger at 186 million compared to 5.5 million same time last year. Um, and yeah, obviously the stock's been doing well. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty interesting to be on there again, do your own research on this stuff. This isn't investing advice for people. Obviously I trade for my clients to do a good job of rebalancing and when the right time is, but yeah, I think it was a really interesting call. You just want to be aware of what companies are doing in this new normal companies that are taking advantage of, um, and, and filling a market need during this time. And so that was really interesting to see and hear that commentary for their, on the call on their earnings call for their most recent quarter. So. Um, congrats to them for a great quarter. TikTok deals, TikTok deals. So the TikTok deal is still going on. Um, there's actually a snag now, as you saw that China actually updated one of their um, one of their laws, saying that you know th- any company that wants to sell has to get. The, the deal approved uh, for the Chinese government. So they issued new restrictions on the export of artificial intelligence technology, um, which you know means that TikTok has to go through extra procedures to actually get this sale done. So it's hitting a snag in this deal where TikTok is trying to sell their US operations to a US company. Um, and this law hadn't been updated to 
since 2008. So it's presumably uh, kind of sparring between the Chinese government and the U.S., our, our administration, a little bit of back and forth sparring. First, you know, our administration says they have to sell. Then the Chinese government says, OK, before they can even sell, they have to do extra restrictions, pass a couple extra hurdles. Um, so you're going to see that sparring back and forth. And so we're going to be watching this deal closely, see who, who's the buyer. Presumably, it's still Microsoft and Walmart uh, in the lead and the most uh, people that are betting the most on that that to go through, but another snag in the deal. So we have to watch that that very closely. Next up, Netflix and chill. Next up and chill, one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> so Netflix just launched a free streaming site. Uh, so actually, they're yeah, which is really cool. I actually checked out the site myself. So they pretty much set up a site. It's like Netflix.com slash free, whether you get like 10 shows or movies, some of their bigger titles. So Stranger Things, Bird Box, Love is Blind for free. You don't even have to log in, sign into their platform. You don't have to have a, uh, a username, password, anything. You just literally go to that site. Boom, you get to watch these for free. Stranger Things, Bird Box, Love is Blind. Bird Box is one of my favorite. It's probably the best Netflix movie. Uh, that and Bright. Bright was pretty good. Shout out to Will Smith. First good movie he's made in like 50 years. Um, so um, entanglements. He's probably dealing with an entanglement, but that, that's okay. We all do sometimes. But Stranger Things, one of the best shows to ever to ever be uh, put out. So that was also, uh, also on their free set. Again, you don't have to log in or anything. It's all free, which is really really cool netflix again a company that's filling a need in this market where people are still stuck at home even this past summer we're getting into fall winter weather here the winters uh the weather is starting to turn which i don't like because i like warm weather i don't like to be cold um so we'll, we'll watch out for that um so yeah that's that's pretty interesting i think netflix is trying to do a freemium model to let people onto their platform and see what a great platform it is and hopefully that those people want to you know go on to the actual paid version i think is what they're trying to do there all right next up tesla and apple stock splits which have every retail novice investor in a frenzy so as we know apple did a four for one stock split tesla did a five for one stock split which of course does not generate any value right uh but a lot of you know even people in my network whether it be clients or people just like saw this stock split and they like intrinsically said they wanted to buy more which isn't a reason to buy per se um obviously the stocks are going up based on momentum but again it's not based on the split which people are novice investors are going crazy over the split and and wanting to you know drive prices up we're going to talk about the psychology of investing later and how most novice investors and people are don't really understand how to invest as or slash trade but yeah the stock split happened um and again i think you know apple tesla you know great companies in their own right uh so just interesting bit of news that they did that why companies do it people keep asking me i sure you can presumably say it allows it to be cheaper for some people but again that's not going to be a price moving action um people that are waiting for a stock split in apple and tesla aren't market movers um these are people that you know actually should be saving more money um, and working, worrying about more income rather than just like being able to finally buy a piece of Apple because it dropped three hundred bucks or whatever. That's uh, again, those aren't market movers. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Something to watch out for. Apple and Tesla stock split happened already. In other news, movie news. I love movies. Tenet. Uh, Christopher Nolan, who's probably my is he a director? Director, probably my favorite director he did the batman movies which was in my top five dark knight 
The Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, great movies. I just watched them a couple of weekends ago just to refresh my memory and, and you know, enjoy a great flick. Uh, so Tenet was released. Uh, Tenet has been released overseas in 41 countries, I believe. Um, generated 40, 53 million in ticket sales. So this new movie, supposed to be a big blockbuster. Obviously things got pushed back because of what we're dealing with the pandemic, but it was re- released in 41 overseas markets and the movie beat expectations, generated 53 million in ticket sales opening weekend, topping the projections of 40 million. Um, and so, yeah, it's not been opening the US so far, but I, that changes as of Thursday, which is today. Uh, Tenant will be released um, and we're going to see if people are ready to go back to theaters. I think people will be. Um, I don't know what the restrictions are, what their capacity will be. Uh, it's actually interesting. Gyms are now opening up. I got to call my gym and I'm switching gyms since I moved. But gyms are opening up. Movies are opening up. We're backing or going back to opening up. New York has done a great job with the virus. You know, I think Governor Cuomo, what was happening in the beginning, it seemed to be tough. People were bucking the system. People wanting to even myself. I was like, wow, we're really going to do this for this harming law, but it seemed to work. Infection rate is super low here in New York. Other states that rushed to open um, have had issues, whereas New York really did a great job and are seeing great opening scale and the, the right timing. So movies, I think, will go well. I think we're going to have theaters open. We are going to have theaters open. I might go check this movie out this weekend myself. If you have Christopher Nolan, and I'm forgetting the main actor, it's Denzel Washington's son, forgetting his name, but he's also in like Ballers and some other good movies and shows. Um, I'm going to watch this. This is good. I actually want to go to a movie. I might go by myself. Who knows? Don't make fun of me. All right. I like going to movies by myself. All right. So <laughs> another good um, um, thing to watch out for. If you guys watch it, let me know what you think. Speaking of doing things by yourself or uh, with a date, Bumble is actually reporting a planning to IPO in 2021. The dating app where women have to make the first move is open to pursuing a public relationship with investors. Uh, so the Beehive theme dating and networking company is reporting planning to IPO at a six to eight billion valuation in t- early 2021. Uh, I'm not going to give you know investing advice on this. I do think this is rather interesting. I'm not a big fan of you know social medias and, and dating apps as for like investing just because of the fact that these are companies that are so fickle. You know, Bumble. I've used them. I use all the dating apps. <laughs> so, but you, but you have something where you know the people, the, the eyeballs move very quickly. One second, this could be the one. Next second, it's um, not. So, I don't. You know, from an investing standpoint, that's a very fickle, uh, fickle business model, and I'm not really sure about that. But I mean, it's high margin. It's presumably just an app. We'll see what um, comes of that. But I'll be watching that closely to see if they pursue an IPO. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. It's actually an interesting fact. The woman that um, started Bumble used to work at Tinder. Uh, she was one of the main first employees. Or actually, I don't think she was one of the co-founders, but she was one of the first people they brought on. Helped a really great job growing the business. She was on How I Made This um, podcast episode that I listened to. Um, super talented person that really just did the same thing. Took the model she did at Tinder, brought it to her own company, and just exploded, which is super impressive. But yeah, we'll be watching out for that IPO. Shout out to them. Shout out to Bumble as well. That's what's in the news this week. Thank you for listening. And now we're going to go on and really talk about my finance roundtable subject, which is uh, emotional investing. So we're going to talk about that next. Hey, everyone, gather around our finance roundtable. Let's have a discussion. 
it's funny. I always think about these during the week. I'm just like, it's either I get questions a lot about something or I'm just like thinking about something. I see stuff on social media and or I'm just um, thinking, which I do often, obviously. And it just hits me about, you know, what I should talk about for the finance roundtable, what I should impart on people to hear and heed. And so this week was an interesting one because I, you know, I saw a picture actually in one of these blogs I was reading, I saw a picture and it was, um, if you can imagine, um, you know, just a line where it goes up and it's presumably like a market line, uh, invest stock market line where at the top, you know, top of that, at the top of the pe- uh, peak, it's like greed and buy. So it's like showing what novice investors do. So as the line's going up, then at the peak, it's like greed and buy. Then the line turns the other way and goes down. And at the bottom of that trough, it's like panic, sell. And then it goes up again and it says repeat till until broke. And it just got me thinking about like why most people, and again, this isn't shot at people, but it's the truth. Why most investors, novices, people that really don't know much about investing in finance are perform worse on average when they don't than the market and or then if they don't have someone managing their money for them, right? That's what I do, obviously, manage money for people. Because there's a few reasons why. There's a lot of reasons, but I'm only going to touch on a couple of them. One is the psychological effects of money and investing, right? Like people talk about this gambler mentality. It's true. People have done studies that show, you know, how people react when it comes to money in a psychological sense. You know, when you see green, it like triggers something in the brain where they get greedy and they want to just keep buying, even though that's mostly the opposite of what you're supposed to do in most cases. Um, and it triggers something in people's mind. It's like the gambler mentality. There's this gambler mentality everywhere. I'm seeing in the market a lot. I'm seeing people that are just like obsessed with, you know, we've been out of bull run since the, since the downturn and people are just obsessed with, you know, buying. There's no real framework of investing. There's no fundamentals on it. There's just people that want to just buy because they think that stocks are always going to go up and it's like triggered something in people's brains right now. So I want to talk about the why novice investors are. And that's that picture is true because one, you know, again, I don't think novice investors slash people that don't know much about finance should be managing their own money. Reasons being the emotional attachment. People have an emotional attachment to money and they don't invest or manage or balance their funds based on fundamentals, a framework, or anything. There's this emotional attachment to money. I get it. People earned, you earned, you worked hard for this. So when you see, if you ever see the market going down, you freak out. People freak out. And they, you know, they automatically think the worst. They're like, man, I'm, they, there's an attachment to it. People hate losing money. Like there's proof, studies have shown that people would rather keep what they have than take a risk on earning things. So they freak out at, at, at points when there's downturns. And on the other hand, you know, people also have a gambler's mentality. And there's something flickers in the brain when there's green, when there's the market's up. And they think that that's, you know, a signal that that's the way things are always are. And they just want to buy, buy, buy. Um, so there's no fundamentals behind this. It's just people, emotional triggers and psychological triggers, which have been proven by studies of how people react to this. And it's like hard to change, right? Like it's really hard to change that gambler's mentality it's super hard to reverse the way your brain acts in most cases that's why people are good investors like like and i put myself in that category i don't see you know i have no emotional attachment to any monies i've done all of it i've day traded i've done all that i have no emotional attachment i've seen funds go super down funds go super up and it's if, if someone's actually done a lot of trading and they've actually seen that like there's very few people that can like watch their money go down and not freak out. There's very few people, very few. Um, 
And so most people just can't do it. They don't understand, you know, how to trade on logic. For me, it's just numbers that I'm seeing on a screen. I understand, you know, the way it works. I've done this for a long time. Um, and so that's how I'm able to combat that. And it can't be trained. I don't think it can be trained or taught. People are always going to react in that that way, um, especially when they have an emotional attachment to their earnings. Um, so that's why I think it's best to, you know, allot that to someone that actually understands how to do that and is trading based off of logic, um, numbers, fundamentals, a framework versus someone that's just doing it uh, because they think that stocks always go up or, or, or something of that nature, which is I'm seeing a lot in the market, by the way. I'm seeing a lot of people that just think, you know, like we've been out of work for, what, three months. People out there, it's starting to feel like people just think stocks go up, which is cool. We've been out of work. I'm, I'm a bull just as much as the next person, and I want to, to see uh, a continuing healthy market. But hearing the reasons why people want to buy is definitely put a pause in me in there. There's no actual reasoning for any of this except for a lot of times it's just like it's just based off of like greed to be honest and there's a good saying in the market i'm gonna mess it up but i think it was buffett that said in the market that pigs get slaughtered or, or something of that nature um so that's something to just keep in the back of your mind if you're someone that's out there and a lot of people are like starting to do their own trading on their own which is great i think it's not gonna like again we've talked about this and i will have to do another episode on these forex and people and option people that are really really <laughs> spamming everyone on this stuff when they're not really actually making any money long term for sure um again focus on a long-term thing there's no get rich you're not going to get rich doing this investing i know it's a gambling high for people that like just love to do this because it's feels good in the brain to see some green but that's not the way the way you're actually getting going to earn money is to earn money through your regular cash flow through increasing income, actual income, reoccurring income, and saving and investing that over a long period of time. Not this um, greed that's that's going on in the market that I'm seeing. It's, it's quite in incredible. Um, again, it's always good to save. It's always good to invest for a long period of time based on a framework. But that's the key, a framework, not just this um, attachment to you know greed and fear that we're seeing um without any um actual framework of investing going on so if anyone has, has questions please reach out to me on that i'd love to talk more and discuss it more um but yeah i think that's just something that needs to be held again if you're someone that doesn't know much about finance investing it's not something you just pick up by watching some non-experts coaches youtube video who these people again aren't <laughs> again we're going to talk about that another time these people are not actually doing anything when it comes to these options and all this forex stuff we've talked about this but i, I mean, keep getting questions on it these forex people just literally ask them all right for the last year show me your realized gain for the last year and they will if they're some that's constantly try to get people to recruit they will have no realized gain they just make money from getting people to join that's literally it there's no gain that they're seeing from trading because it's super, one of the hardest things to do that's why a lot of people can't do it but people are hooked on the fact that they think they can do it and they keep doing trying and losing money or not making any money, which is just a waste of your time. It's better focused on actually getting real income and just saving and investing that over a long period of time, folks. That's my that's my TED talk on that. But next up, we're gonna talk um, what I have going on this week. So thank you for listening to the roundtable. Reach out with me to me for, with any questions. Hey. We're back. 
I'm taking off my mean teacher hat. I'm back. It's me. It's the nice guy. Delano Sapporo. I'm not yelling at y'all. <laughs> We're having a good time. Thank you for listening. Of course, what do I have going on this week? This week, back on CNBC Summer School. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday the 3rd, I'll be on Summer School 9-4. So back on CNBC Summer School 9-4 tomorrow. It's going to be good. We're going to talk a lot of stuff. Probably some stuff that I talked about in the roundtable. Maybe. Who knows? I'm going to talk to have an inter- pre-production meeting tomorrow. So I'll find out more about that for you all. What's going on with me this week? Um, personal life. Does anyone care? I think you do because you're listening. Uh, <laughs> this week I am, what am I doing? Uh, continue. I work out every day. I run every day. So I'll continue to run every day. It's a nice day here in New York. So I might get my run on. What am I watching? Um, I've been watching the NBA playoffs. Has anybody else been watching? There's been some good games. There's a couple great game sevens this week. Um, we saw OKC, Houston. We saw Utah, Denver. Some amazing great game sevens. You're not watching the NBA. The same NBA ratings are down. I don't know why. This is incredibly great games. I'm rooting for the Lakers. LeBron, shout out to LBJ and Lakers. Lake Show. They're up against Houston next, which is going to be a great series. I think the Lakers take it. It'll be a close one, but I don't think Houston is going to really match up with them defensively. Um, and, the, and they're bigs. Lakers are big. And Houston likes to play small ball. So um, I think Lakers will take that. Just got to play half-court offense and, and really just slow the game down. And that's that's where they, they control that one. So you're watching that. The Bucks, Giannis and the Bucks. I don't know if you people are NBA fans. They're down right now. They're down 0-2 to the heat and that's incredible Giannis, he's got to answer some questions is he really a top five player i don't know i don't know but that's my rant uh, on sports um and bingeables i'm also watching like hbo hard knocks i need to find another show to watch oh i started watching the game on bt the game on bt is an old show super funny super good and they brought a lot of these old um bt upn type shows to netflix recently and it's awesome so I'm watching the game on BET. It's super funny. Um, interview setup. So we have Jody and second part of our interview because we had a long, great talk. Um, and this part, we just flipped the script and she was asking me questions. She's going to be, um, she's a new business owner. She's left corporate America working on for herself. And she just had questions for me on how to navigate that. And I was giving her free advice, folks. I am a nice person. I gave free advice um, I give the financial planning for free, but I always tell people I give the financial planning pretty much for free in some cases. And she got free advice, a free consultation. And so I hope you guys learned something from it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, this has been another great conversation with you all. And I hope hope everyone has a great week, but I hope you guys enjoy this interview. It was a really good second half of the interview with Jody Ann coming up next. But there is a lack of education sometimes around money, especially when you come from, you know, you, you have immigrant parents. There's a lack of education around money and what it, the tool it is, the resource it can be, the way you can, you know, passively grow out the different tools and resources that people build generational wealth, which is super important. So I want to do a little bit of a role reversal, um, you know, as being a registered advisor you and a lot of people have questions that they may not have been able to ask. And they're just like, Hey, I was wondering on this, maybe, you know, what are those questions that maybe you're in your mind? I'm going to see 
if I can answer them, people. This is the first time we've ever done a role reversal. So I'd love to see what questions I can answer to the best of my abilities here and now. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. Am I glad to get free financial advice? Yes. Hey, this is, I don't do a lot for free. So this is good. I'm just joking. Good. Yes. <laughs> Friends pay full price. So, you know, if we do continue this conversation, I promise everyone I will pay. <laughs> of course. Of course. No, we're happy to, I'm happy to do it. Okay. Here's my biggest question. When I switched from my nonprofit world into my for-profit world, my salary had a huge jump, like almost twice my salary. Yeah. And so I spent that year living as if I was making what I was making in my nonprofit job. That's good. And I just like, I think I put over 40 grand down on my student loans. Mm, nice. And so I've been paying my student loans pretty aggressively, even during COVID. So I don't have a job, right? <laughs> but I've probably paid more on my student loans in the past couple of months because there's no interest, right? Yeah, yeah. And so all of what I'm paying is just like going down on the principal and that has like really reduced it. So right now I have $29,000 left in student loans. This is from my bachelor's and my master's. And I'm also, I'm 34 and a lot of my peers are buying, buying houses right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now I'm just like, crap should I pay the loans off and then start the house process or am I managing the loans enough to then start exploring and learning about what my options are for home ownership? Mm, mm, agreed. Okay. That's a great question. And home ownership, home ownership is something that you definitely want or something that you're still not sure. I want it. Um, I think I want it in an unconventional way. I recently did a road trip and passed through New Mexico and just, I was only there for 24 hours and I just fell in love. Mm. And so I have this idea now to buy a house in New Mexico with like a little cottage on the back so I can buy the house, rent the house, live in the cottage, mm. and then kind of do that in different places around the country so I can be fully geographically independent yeah, yeah. and kind of go where I want to want to go when I want to go. Okay, that makes 100% sense. And I agree with you. I'm someone that's going to be geographically independent, but I will be based in New York, you know, 70, 80% of the time. And I don't plan to like buy a house, like station and home base type of thing. It's more rental property. So with what you described for the loans, you've done a great job. I think people forget that, you know, student loans, whether it's, you know, federal or even if it's a private, it's private, you have even probably a lower interest rate. If it's federal, you may have higher, but you have those possibly for forbearance and all those different things right now that you've seen. You've done a good job attacking that, but people forget that the interest rate on those usually sits around the three to 5%, we could say, which is lower and it's a good position than you would have. You know, if you think about the money that you're throwing extra onto your loans, they could be thrown into different investments, whether it's rental properties or, you know, real estate, which you like, and or the stock market, which is generally going to give you a higher return rate. It's going to give you a higher return rate within the interest you're paying on a loan. So if you think the stock market example, you're getting eight to 10% average annual return on average since the inception of the market. That's not even talking beating the market index. So that money, the extra money that's using to pay off loans, you know, I think you should do pay the minimum. You should keep attacking it, but you can also simultaneously look at your investment opportunities, which is your nest egg uh, for retirement and also your down payment for your rental property or your homes, which, you know, you could 
put that money, if it's rental property and homes, you could put that money in a high yield savings account and use that to build up so that you're ready to attack to attack and pay for that. Or obviously your nest egg, which is your investment accounts, your traditional IRAs, your Roth IRAs. As a self-employed person, you can get a SEP IRA, which gives you a lot of ability to defer tax and tax optimize as well. So um, I I gotta write that down. SEP IRA? Yes, S-E-P IRA. SEP IRA for someone that's, you know, self-employed allows you to defer up to 56,000 per year that you can throw into, you know, um, your SEP IRA account, which grows in investment. It doesn't just sit there, it's in grows in, but it's tax deferred. So it lowers your taxable liability in the year that you make it, but it, you will pay tax out. And obviously when you take the money out when you're in retirement, but it's tax deferred. Um, so I think those are ways to optimize on tax to grow your accounts, but you've done a great job. I know everyone hates like student loans. Everyone's like, I hate having debt, I hate owing someone. But you know, you look at the rate, Everyone that's you know wealthy has is borrowing money. Like everyone that's wealthy has debt on their balance sheet. Everyone like they don't mm. just live debt free. It's like no offense to those people. I always attack them, but like the Susie Ormans and the Dave Ramsey that talk about you shouldn't have debt. You shouldn't have debt. You know, yeah, consumer debt and being unwieldy with it is obviously not the way you want to do it. But you know, student loan debt that you have a, a tax plan that you're paying off that has a low interest rate isn't like the worst thing in the world that you need to like fear at all. It's really just everyone has, you know, debt on their balance sheet, but you want to have a plan for it, but you also want to simultaneously build your nest egg and look at different ways for investments because you can't wait for that till you fully pay them off. It's just not smart. You're missing compounding interest. You're missing years of your investment returns to compound. And so that's kind of how I attack when it comes to, you know, pay down debt versus also invest in different things. That is so deep. I can't, I'm like literally taking notes right now. Well, that's good. And like, I think what resonates, everyone who's wealthy is borrowing money. Oh, yes, yes. Everyone <laughs> has debt on their balance sheet. There's no way they don't. It's, it's cheaper to, to borrow if you borrow someone instead of using your own cash, the time value of money, you always want to keep your cash. If you're borrowing at a lower rate and able to put the money, to keep your money and put it in investment somewhere at a higher rate, that's like literally the way banks work. They're borrowing your money and they're paying you 0.0001 and they're taking that money, investing it in, borrowing out to start putting it out to someone else and getting a high rate of return from that. So you really always want to have, you know, you know, some, there's people always have some sort of debt on the balance sheet. Well, again, consumer debt is a high ass interest rate. So um, you don't want to have a lot of consumer debt, but student loan debt, I feel like people really get worried about that. And they want to like pay it off right away. Good. You want to have a plan. You want to attack it, but you shouldn't be so obsessed with it that you miss out investments, investment return in the stock market and, or in, um, in real estate, which is what something that you're looking into as well. So you want to have a solid plan, but you don't want to, you know, freak out when it comes to that. This is so deep. You know, what's interesting too, that I'm just realizing like this obsession around student loan debt is, it's just a mindset of, am I adulting if I'm still dealing with debt from when I was a kid? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I can't move on and just be a fully realized, like, smart, financially savvy person if I don't get rid of this debt. But I love what you're saying here is that I am missing out on other ways that I could be spending my money that has higher returns than whatever my um, interest rate is for my student loans. Exactly, exactly. And that's the premise. And again, I advocate paying them off. I advocate people's mental wellness as far as like they like fear it. But again, I don't think it's something people really have to, if you have a steady job or, and or you're 
building your have a cash flow opportunity, you have a business where you're building it up and ramping it up. You have an attack plan for the debt, but you also have a plan for investments and getting those returns. If you show see an investment calculator, what compound interest does over time, what investment does over time is great. And, you know, there's calculators that show you the benefit of, you know, investing versus, you know, just putting all your money towards student loans and having some sort of balance or split is much more, you know, better for most people. I'm, you've rocked my world. Okay. Can I, I don't know how much time we have for this. Can yeah, I ask another question? Of course there is. Yes, you, you certainly can. Okay. Okay. So I have an LLC and I have a business bank account. Now we're in a virtual world mm. and for the type of work that I do, probably some of that money would go towards travel and this, and maybe I would have an office, like all of that. But real talk, like I don't have that many business expenses. Mm. I literally sit on my couch hour after hour, speaking event after speaking event. Mm. And I could just sit here and make, you know, a couple, like a couple thousand dollars just being mm. on Zoom. So do I want to think about like how to spend my business money or what do I do with it? Do I just leave it in the bank account? Like, I don't know. Like, I just remember chatting with some business owners, some of my clients, they're like, I, I got to buy a building this year because they don't want to show that much profit by the time they're supposed to pay taxes. I don't know if any of this is illegal. It, no, no. But I'm, trying, I'm just illegal. trying to figure out like, do you want to keep, is it better to not, spend as a business. I don't know. I don't even know what you're getting at. Pretty much you're getting at the fact that, you know, those people were trying to on paper, which again, it's not illegal if you're actually buying them. Like they're trying to on paper show less because as a business owner now, you're not going to pay tax. You're not going to get a refund anymore. So, you know, when you're in corporate America, you would get a refund. Now at the end of the year, you're going to owe the IRS money because all that money's got into your pocket. And so the way you pay less is you show expenses, right? So the IRS treats you like a business. You're going to be like, all right, I made this much money, but to make that money, I had to spend this on advertising. I had to do this for, uh, I had to pay for my building. I had to do this. So that lowers the amount you actually made. So the IRS will go on your net income, the actual bottom line. They'll say, okay, from your bottom line, after you made money and took out the expenses, you owe this much in taxes to us because of that's your bottom line. So people try to show as much as, as little as they can that came to their bottom line. So they try to juice up their expenses to pretty much say, all right, I made less, so I owe you guys less. So, I mean, the way that person went about it to me doesn't make sense. Cause I feel like in the way our world is nowadays, everything is digital. And I do everything from, you know, home. I do everything from a home office. I do everything. So we don't, we have high margins. Like your business is high margin. You mentioned you really just had to be at home, be on a zoom call, Zoom costs you nothing. It can be free or they give you the link. Like, so you really have extremely high margins. Everything goes to your bottom line, which is good. It just means you have to set aside that money that you're going to pay taxes. Whether you say, all right, I'm going to just as a barometer, say 80% of what I make, I have to take 20% of it, put it in a high yield savings. That may be my taxing amount at the end of the year. That may be like, it could be higher up more or less. We just put like a certain amount away. We'll say that's our, our amount for possible taxes. So um, that, that, that is a first way to look at it. And then, yeah, when it comes to expenses, you do want to put everything you could put as a home office. There's, you can get a deduction for having a home office on rent on your internet pay on your internet that you use, you use your phone, your laptop, everything you can use. You can find deductions. I was just doing my taxes for myself earlier. Now you can look for all the type of deductions that could lower 
um, your income and, and show that you have expenses for running your business. Cause you do have an expense for running your business. Everything you do, as far as do you go to meet someone for coffee, did you take out a presenter for coffee? Did you have a meals like you're eating at home? Sure. Like, let's look at that. Like all that stuff is possible expenses that can be used to as deductions on the income for running your business. But I wouldn't do what that person did as far as buying a building and not trying to shade them. It wasn't smart because like, that's just a high overhead expense that you don't need. Like we don't need high overhead in 2020. Like yeah. everyone's running away from real estate and going to tech, like yeah. online streaming. Like you don't need high overhead. Everything could be done virtually in technology now. So having low overhead, high margins, and then at the end, getting all your deductions at the end of the year, putting 20% away for taxes from what you make is a smart way to do it um, is the way that you're going to like really put yourself in a good position. But yeah, I think I understand what that person's doing, but yeah, good submissions. What we want, we want high margins. Everything, okay. You want high margins, as high margins as possible, as little fixed expenses as possible will make your business run uh, fluently. Yeah. That's very, that's very affirming. It's like, yeah, I have a high margin business. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's very high margin. Like I just open my mouth and <laughs> say things. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of work that goes into what I do. Um, what is a high, high yield savings? Yeah, what that are- exactly. No, great question. So the high yield savings is, is essentially just a savings account, but you're getting a higher interest rate as opposed to if you have money in Chase Bank or XYZ, one of the big banks. They're giving you usually like 0.00 something percent on your interest rate. Where these high yield savings... Um, you know, they were before, you know, everything before rates have been pushed down because of what's going on. The, our, the government's pretty much pushed down rates, you know, the, the Fed's pushing rates down. That's to spur economic activity. But a high yield savings still going to give you a much better rate than any of your big four banks or whatever you see. So high yields right now, like there's names like you'll see like Ally Bank, Marcus Goldman Sachs, Capital One, all these banks are going to give you high yield savings accounts, which you're probably going to get around 0.8 to 1% right now. Before it used to be around 2% before rates were pushed down. But still, rates will go back at some point, whether it's a year or two years from now, they will start to you know go back up. And a high yield saving, if you're just parking money that you're going to use in the very near future, it just gives you a little bit higher interest rate than keeping in your Chase Bank. And again, it's accessible anytime. It's not like stuck in there. It's not a CD, a certificate deposit where the money is supposed to stay for a certain amount of time. It's just a high yield savings account where you get a little bit higher interest. This is very helpful. Of course. No, I'm, I'm glad to help, but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, I'm glad this is helpful. Is there anything like, at what point do I need an accountant or a bookkeeper? Like a lot of this stuff, I'm just on the yeah. internet, you know, mm-hmm. spending a lot of my time trying to learn how to manage a business. Like, listen, my dad graduated high school, mm. right? And he built like a multi-million dollar business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Out of nothing. And my, like, listen, to get my dad to text was a, was a, <laughs> a challenge. So, <laughs> A lot of times I'm like, man, if he did it, I could do this too. So I'm doing a lot of like very scrappy self-learning and I'm curious, like, how do I know, and I don't even know if this is a fair question, but how do I know at what point I actually need a team, like an accountant, a bookkeeper or something like that? Uh, Great, great question. I think when the time spent to do all that researching just doesn't make sense for you anymore. If you grow in the business where it's like you're doing a lot of stuff like you have so many different clients, you're like, man, I really don't want to dig into this or that. Like, I think that's when you're like, all right, 
I should get, I agree with you. I'm someone that does stuff on my own. I did my own taxes. I did this or that. But if you're like the time spent doing this doesn't make sense for me from a you know value add standpoint, I'd rather just pay someone to get this done for me because I have so much other stuff to do in regards to setting up a next speaking event or I have all these speaking events this week. That's where you want to bring it in as far as to me. Uh, but maybe that's earlier for you. Maybe it's now. Like I, we've had talks, you know, advising could be the thing that you do. Setting up retirement accounts, all the things that you need to do. Set IRAs. If you hire people at some point, you're going to need simple IRAs for them. It's pretty much a 401k for small businesses. Um, so I think that's when you want to do it is when, you know, the benefit of doing it yourself or the, the cost benefit is no longer there because you're at the time you're like, I don't have time for this. And so that's when I would do it. But I think, you know, even then, like when I work with people, even if they're, I'm doing stuff for them, I still educate them on what's happening as far as their, in their, their investment accounts, their retirement accounts are planning. But, you know, that's when you want to start, you know, tapping people in because, you know, at a certain point it does get to a place where you're like, this doesn't make sense for even the money I'm saving to hire someone. This doesn't make sense because I'd rather, I'm making so much, I'm doing so well with the business and, you know, I have, you know, time allotted some other places. I'd rather put, allocate my time elsewhere at this point. I think that's the point where you start to, to expand and, and hire people out to do that. Sweet. I could talk to you forever, but I think, <laughs> I think that's, yeah, this, I think that's, that's giving me, a, honestly, like real talk. I have so many things that I want to Google and, and look up and really carve out some time to even understand what you're telling me right now and like have that sit. Yeah. You know, I'm walking away with a, a lot of gems here. And I think, again, like what's hitting me the most is that everyone who's wealthy is borrowing money. How can I better think about what I'm doing with my money, particularly now? And just being smart about how to use, you know, my, my margins, my high margins for my business. And like right now, everything's just sitting in, a, in my business bank account. Right. Exactly. And moving things over to high yield savings, like just doing all of that research. Like I'm super, super grateful for your expertise on this. Cause again, like this is the first time I'm even talking to somebody about this. <laughs> I'm like no. really, really happy. No, I appreciate you. You're going to do amazing. There's so much more to come with the, the podcast, the book, the business, the consulting. There's going to be more, obviously, speaking events that we're going to be watching for. So one, thank you, Jody Ann, for your time. Um, we will be, you know, watching the growth. And I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so glad that I randomly bumped into you at Ethel's Club. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right, take care.